Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host Nick Houston. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We have a couple special guests with us today, Jackson and Sarah. They were MAP you guys call it interns? Still? Interns. Oh, yeah. it's called They're interns. MAP interns. Um, and we are delighted to have you guys here today. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Sarah, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, I want to take a minute just to let you guys introduce yourself to uh, our listening audience, who all 12 of them out there probably want to know. You say 12, I say both. <laughs> um, so let's start with you, Jackson. Jackson, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? It's your birthday today. Uh, tell us where you're from, how you got involved in MAP, and, and uh, just a little bit about who you are. Um, so originally I'm from Tucker, Georgia. I uh, grew, uh, grew up in a, it's, it's not really a big town, um, but I went to Tucker United Methodist. Um, and so there, the youth pastor, his name is Chris Moss. He's really good friends with Nate. And that's really how I got the job. Um, he reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in it. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check into it. Um, and then as soon as I talked to Nate and Mason and uh, Lynette and Nikki, too, uh, everything that they were just saying about MAP just made me start to really appreciate it and love what the idea of MAP was, student-led, adult-supported. Um, so, yeah. That's I, cool, man. Uh, excellent. Awesome. And uh, Sarah, what about you? You're a little bit more... Uh, people know you around here, I think. You, you have a little bit more roots here at Northside United Methodist. But talk to us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved in MAP. How long have you been doing MAP? This was my 10th year of MAP. Whew. You've been doing it since you were like 12? Yeah. Wow. I turned 13 at MAP. Wow. But I'm Northside through and through, so I grew up here. My parents got married here, went to preschool here, did all the big youth milestones. So I did, you know, children's choir and MAP, of course, was the big thing to do once you got through sixth grade. Wow. So ever since sixth grade, I've been doing MAP. And then after my senior year of high school, I decided I didn't have enough. (laughs) <laughs> so that I would apply to be an intern, and here I am, third year as an intern. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That's a you really are, you really do have roots at Northside. I didn't realize it was that rooted. Um, I don't know anybody else who's who's got that story. Uh, I mean, I don't. Oh, there's more. There's more. Okay. There's more. Okay. We had. I mean, a couple of the other interns were like long term. Oh yeah, thinking about like James Dickey and Edward Dickey and Brooksy, mm-hmm. they all went through as interns. Yeah. Now, you guys are two of the four mm-hmm. interns. Who are the other two? So we have India Gleason, who is a fourth-year intern, and then Austin Fuller, who's another Northside member. Okay. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. So when y'all aren't MAP interning, are you students? Are you working? What are you doing the rest of the year? Um, so when I'm not uh, working at MAP, um, I'm going to be out at Augusta University studying psychology. Um, I'll be a sophomore this next year. Okay. What about you, Sarah? I just graduated from Vanderbilt University with a degree in what is essentially public health and child development, and okay. then I'll start nursing school at Emory in the fall. Oh, wow. All That's right. exciting. Well, I want to ask you guys a couple questions. So first, I want to know what you in particular did this past week for MAP. Um, but also, uh, just kind of in general, 
what is map like where where does uh what does map do what is it why should people get involved in it why should people care about it so i specifically was the admin intern um so i dealt a lot with forms and making sure people were you know good to go out to site that they had everything that they needed that we had all the contacts we needed um and basically just connected the whole project all together so during the week of map if people needed anything we were the first sort of line of defense that they would come to okay. and we'd be able to help them out all right that's cool i know i walked into the map room you guys set up like base camp down there in the hallway uh down the hallway in the youth center you've got note cards everywhere note cards we stole all the whiteboards from the youth area we put them all in one room yeah it looks like a big like, i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in map that like a lot of people don't see and administrative you would that's like right up we'll your see alley. that's what i'm wondering i want to know like did you get to be the administrative intern because you did a spiritual gift survey and <laughs> determined that your gift from the holy spirit was administration I think it was more a high tolerance for spreadsheets um, <laughs> and patience for emails. So lots of spreadsheets, go, yeah. lots of emails. And then as we get into the summer, it's more making binders and um, editing the guidebook that gets printed for everyone. So Well, I can appreciate someone I would be with terrible a at that job. high tolerance for spreadsheets. <laughs> high and tolerance for spreadsheets. That's great. Jackson, what about you, man? What'd you do? Um, so my job over the summer was really to work a lot more closely with worship and the worship side of things. So I worked with the speaker and the band, um, any of the elements. So the stage design, uh, a lot of the prayer stations um, that were in the back of the room, that was um, me and Mason worked on those. And then as well as me and Charlie worked on the small group questions for them to use after they went to worship. That okay. kind of reflected more on what they learned in worship. Okay. What, uh, so what was the worship and, and speaker and all that stuff? What was that like for MAP this year? Um, so this year our theme was Listen, Speak, Act. Um, and we were kind of revisiting a theme from last year um, having to do with belonging and where you belong. Um, and so a lot of what the speaker was talking about this year, her name was Charlie Condor. Um, but a lot of what she was talking about was just how you belong. And through Jesus, you're, you're always going to be enough. Um, and what one thing that really uh, I feel like matched a lot with her message was that I think that Wednesday night she talked about how you belong here and we handed out puzzle pieces they're blank puzzle pieces for everybody to take home and every time they look at that they can know that um, even though I might not look the same as everyone else act the same as everyone else talk the same as everyone else I still have a place that I'll fit in that's cool that's a really cool visual it reminds me of uh, that show Silverstein book the Missing Piece. Do you know? You guys remember that book at all? Do they still read those books in school? I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I think everything's on an iPad now. I don't think they. <laughs> put Shell Silverstein on an iPad. Anyway, you know where the sidewalk ends. Call you guys ever book. heard of this stuff? Yeah, I've yeah. heard of that. Um, and the Giving Tree, which is terrible, terrible it's book. The fattest book ever. But uh, anyway. What kind of projects did MAP do this year? What, what were the on-site um, work sites like? Um, so for my two sites, um, the big projects that we were working on is one site we were building a deck outside for Miss um, Mathis, and she really didn't need the deck necessarily, but she does enjoy talking with people in the community, and she's kind of grown like um, almost like the head of HOA. If they had an HOA, okay, that's yeah. kind of her position. That's and awesome, so, yeah. 
um, everybody in the community knows her and she just likes to have converse, conversations with people. So we built that deck and added the table and chairs for her so that people can come up, just sit there. Kind of place for her to hold court and <laughs> build community. <laughs> build community, yeah. Build a patio, build a community. I like it. I like and it. then people at our show up my patio all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, at our other site, we ended up building a retaining wall as well. Um, the homeowner, she had it, it was floating a lot in the backyard. Um, and you can really tell when you walk back, it was really humid in the backyard yeah. specifically. Um, but the kids did a really good job with building the retaining wall. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, what were those other two projects? Were there other projects going on? Yeah, there's other projects. Those are just my specific the ones you sites. Were yes. Yeah. Sir, did you get out on any sites this year or? My role on sites is really delivering lunches. but <laughs> That's an essential role. That's an important role. Yeah. We went to 10 houses, and most of the, I think all of these we found through LaTanya Johnson and Pod Kids, mm-hmm. and they, um, they sort of identified a need in their community, and that need was that they needed safe spaces for the people of the community, especially the children um, from elementary school to high school, just to hang out in. Yeah. So the other projects... Um, in, well, even including the ones that Jackson described, were about building, you know, farm tables or um, almost like platform tree houses and like putting in swings cool. and basketball courts just to build a safe place for children to play or a safe place to build community or hold a Bible study or eat lunch yeah. in community. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. I like that you guys had a, had an intention behind all the projects you were doing, right? You're not just kind of randomly, not that there's anything wrong with just randomly yeah. helping people out, but it seems like you guys really had a like you talked about it being belong, like being kind of one of the things you talked about, and you're mm-hmm. creating spaces where people could belong, right? So yeah. that's really cool. I like the intentionality behind that a lot. And this was another year for MAP of having to kind of pivot and how do we do, how do you do MAP during COVID? And like in the past, MAP has gone into people's homes and tried to work on kind of home improvement stuff. And so this year, trying to be outside and come up with ways that the community can be supported with outside activities so that um, everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I would say that a lot of what MAP is is just the relationship aspect of it. Um, building those relationships between each other and, and between the homeowners is really what we're trying to achieve through the work sites. And I feel like the work sites is really just that seed that we're planting to kind of get people interested and and start that building of those relationships. Absolutely, yeah. That's good. Um, Jackson, remind me, do, do, have you been involved in MAP before or anything like MAP? Like, no, this is my first okay. year. I've, I've done mission trips before, okay. but never MAP. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so from the behind-the-scenes perspective, Sarah, uh, talking about doing MAP during COVID, I know last year was completely different. We did it all here on site, I think, right, and then shipped stuff out. This year you actually got to go to the sites, but we didn't have any kids stay at the church. Is that right? That's Which right. Which we've done before, right? Um, so behind the scenes, though, what, what kind of – challenges did you did you face uh with this kind of covid era that we're in or pandemic was there anything that was particularly obstacle or or a challenge for you i think the biggest question we had is what the covid regulations were going to be and what was going to be the safest way for everyone to be involved and we decided that our projects were going to be all exterior um and we try to have you know people um, social distance as much as they could as yeah. sick as we are fearing of social distancing um, and then beyond that having all of our students and adults wear masks and transport okay transport was a big um, it's always a big struggle a big question that we have to a problem a mystery that we we're going to solve and this year we took took two big buses out to Grove Park and it was kind of like school bus stop style or one group got <laughs> off 
on to the next group and it was on a schedule. <laughs> um, but that in some ways made it a lot easier for us because then it's just managing those two buses rather than 20 different cars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and everyone, I believe, wore their masks and were able to social distance on buses as well. So we were cool. able to keep them safe getting to the sites and then on site. And then at the church, we asked students to wear their masks except for when we were eating dinner. And all the design of the fellowship hall for dinner and the Faith and Arts Center for worship was very intentional. Awesome. What did you guys have for dinner? What was your favorite meal this week? Oh, barbecue, of course. Barbecue, of course, yeah. Where'd you get the barbecue from? J.R. Lockhouse. <laughs> you say that like that's a question. Right? Of course we got it from there. <laughs> uh, so talk to me. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any questions? Do you want to jump in with anything? I'm really of... interested about that barbecue place because I've never... <laughs> I've never gotten barbecue from there before, and there's a few good places around. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I have Wednesday night dinners I've got to plan for. So, That's right. you know, if mm-hmm. Map did something really good that they did a good job of catering, like I, I need it, I, I need it in the repertoire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's funny. <laughs> Do they have good side dishes? I mean, mac and cheese is always a winner. Do they have fried okra? Yeah, but That's you can screw matters. it up. Come to find out, there fried okra is the only thing that matters. Fried is the only thing. <laughs> Sorry, Jackson, you're on board with me. All right, good. So let me ask you guys this. What was your favorite moment from the past week? I would say my favorite moment was probably the first week of, or the first night of worship. Um, just having spent the past, what, month and a half planning worship and designing stuff and getting ready for it. And actually everything. seeing that culminate and the yeah. fruit of your labor kind of thing. Yeah. Finally, like finally seeing it like come through and just like how well it seemed to work was, uh, it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Sarah, what was your favorite moment? trying to narrow it down um they were all my favorite moments they're all oh that's not true I mean, we all know that's not what true what was your least favorite moment we don't sure. need to go there <laughs> give them both a top three list like. yeah, that's right. <laughs> i think one of my favorite moments is always um working in admin and doing so much on the front end of things really about the prep is seeing everyone safely loaded on buses with all their tools and coolers and everything they need for the day and they're off and it feels like we, we got these students, we got these yeah. adults all organized, and there they go. Yeah. Um, and that's a good feeling. And then also just having the opportunity to um, show up to site, even if it's to carry boxes of pizza in, to be part of that um, community that they've built as a team, yeah. even for a little bit, is a really cool thing to just experience and to see. Um, I also loved, I had a student on um, actually one of Jackson's site who asked me to pack an extra lunch for their homeowner oh, cool. so she could eat with them and that was really special as well that's great so it's kind of the same thing like I, I think some people don't know that you guys are here like from the beginning of June right or is it before that even May Mid- May, May. Yes, okay you guys are here for six weeks probably before map maybe even more than that putting work in prepping for the stuff and so when the worship pays off and the sites are what they're supposed to be that's that's a a nice feeling, right? That you've actually you've accomplished something. All that prep has actually paid mm-hmm. off. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, you said that a kid had asked for somebody to bring a lunch or for you to bring a lunch for the homeowner. Um, did you guys have a chance to have uh, any in-depth conversations with any of the kids during the week? Uh, what were some of those moments like? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got, I got the chance to talk to a few of the kids. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but actually, during lunch... I don't remember what we were eating that day, but one of those days, um, 
one of the homeowners actually came out on one of my sites and the entire group started having a conversation with her. Um, and they found out that she used to be a religious, uh, religion teacher. Oh, cool. And so they started asking her a lot of religious questions nice. and, and just, um, asking her just more about what she believed and just getting that kind of, uh, wisdom that she could pass on. That's cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you think having to do map differently has had a negative impact on it? Like, I know, well, certainly Sarah could address it. You've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> um, so how does how does map and COVID compare to map pre-COVID? Like, what does it retain? Does it keep the essence of what you want map to be? Or are you really looking forward to being able to go back to three years ago? I don't think map, for me and what I see, and there will be people who agree and people who maybe miss, like, sleeping at the church. Um, but from my point of view, I think what makes map map hasn't changed, um, even in COVID. And even before COVID, it changed while I was a student. Like there's years that we were building playgrounds and the years before that we were doing roofing. And for a long time, that's how we would define map by the projects. And I think as we moved away from that and moving into different home repairs every, every year, and certainly moving into Grove Park and building a community there, it, that I feel like the message of map, which it always was, but became more clear that it was about connection and in some ways, just that we were able to do MAP last year in the middle of the pandemic was really important for our, the connection to our students and the connection to our adults and linking them to Northside. And then this year, the fact that we were able to go back out to Grove Park and do projects that are not dissimilar from what we maybe would have done in a normal year, but projects that certainly have more intentionality behind them than in past years was a really cool experience in that it brought that sense of connection to life and we're connected to pod kids they're connected to Grove Park we're connected to our students to our student leaders to our adults to Northside Church um, to Northside staff um, and all of us together are making this project come alive and so in that way I don't think we've lost the heart of map I think there are certain map traditions things like a map dance or sleeping at the church that um, used to be more checklist things and I think as time has gone on we've seen at least in the last two years, that we can have map without those things. And what we can do with that space is to create something new for the future as well. Mm-hmm. So in, in a lot of ways, I think it's given us the opportunity to clarify what map means to us as a ministry and us as students and interns and staff, but then also gives us the flexibility and an open door to create something new in that space that we'll gain in the future again. So That was an awesome answer. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was an excellent question. <laughs> well, the question was fine, but that was a great answer. I think, uh, I, I, no, because I, I, when I was a teenager, um, part of the experience of going to camp or going on a mission project or doing things like that was getting away from home, right, and, and getting to a space where you have to kind of learn how to live with other people for a week or whatever. Uh, and and sometimes that can be really powerful, right? But also that can be distracting, too, at times. Um, so... You know, I, I had that question in mind, like, what was it like, you know, you didn't get to stay at the church. Is that, does that add a detriment to Matt? But the way you just, the way you just said it in the sense of like, actually it helped us to clarify what we're doing and who we are, um, I think is a powerful answer. Um, and I, I wonder what the experience was like for the kids to go home every night and be able to talk to their parents about what they did. 
um, instead of having to wait till the end of the Kids week. Kids don't do that. Yeah. Well, maybe if parents force them to, they will. Huh? They definitely <laughs> got more sleep. And a lot of our volunteers, you know, were parents as well. So yeah. it's um, when you sign up for MAP, it's kind of a whole family thing. Yeah. So being able to be part of it as a family is, I'd imagine, would be a cool experience. My parents volunteered, and so I'd go home and get all their feedback, their highs and lows from the days. <laughs> and they're talking to you, so they're like talking to somebody who can make some change. Now, what we'd like to see happen. Okay, so so Jackson, what was the schedule like for MAP? Um, what days were they meeting, and what time were you asking people to get here, and how long on projects, and then what time is everybody going home? Like, what's the commitment? Um, so I wouldn't say it's too much of a commitment. Um, they were getting here, what, about 8, eight in the morning. Um, we would try and get them out to the site by 9.30. Um they would spend all day there, take like an hour break for lunch, do a lunch devotion. Um, and then by about four is when they would get picked up to come back. We would go do dinner and lunch, or sorry, dinner and worship. Um, and then after worship, they could go out and do uh, whatever special activity we had planned for the night. Um, and then whenever that was done, they could go home. What time was that usually? 8.30. Uh, yeah, 8.30. Okay. 830. It was never too late. All right. So would you ever intern again? Oh, yeah. Would, oh you, yeah. would you do this again? <laughs> yeah, I would. We don't have to ask Sarah. We know she will. Sarah, have you ever thought about doing, um, like, ASP for a summer, like going out and being one of their people? Do you know what ASP is? Appalachian Service Project or something like that? It's a lot like MAP, but it's 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 a place up in Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee. They've got a couple different mm-hmm. locations, but they just go out and they do home um, restoration for folks in those, in those communities. And uh, they have folks, like you, you interns, they have folks that, that are there all summer long mm-hmm. that just do that stuff that you guys have been doing. Like they go to the, the sites, they get the sites prepped and ready, then they deliver the lunches or they deliver the supplies and stuff like that. I bet you'd be phenomenal at that. you got the experience for it. But you have to, I think it's a whole summer. I think they have year-long uh, stuff too. I don't know. You've never heard of it, though. I've never heard of it, but I could definitely look into it. You should. You I... should. I bet you'd be good at it. Well, I mean, we don't want to lose her. Right, right. We have to come back from MAP. I'm too attached to MAP to leave. <laughs> Do you ever, could you see MAP being something um, that could be expanded uh, in the sense of it could be longer than a week? Maybe it could be for a month or for a whole summer even? Is that, some, is that a project, you know, maybe not even just about Northside Church, but could also be fed by other churches and, and supported by other churches? Is that Does that seem like, I know that there's probably no plans for anything like that, but is that... Does it seem like MAP could be something like that? I'm curious. I know that in past years we've had other churches join us for the week of MAP, and I know that that is a dream of Nate's in the future, um, to have other churches join us again and be part of MAP. I'm curious, though, um, I mean, one week of service like we do, and it's not just service, it's also building relationships and connections and and worship. um, It's a lot, and so I think it would be hard to extend the week as we do it right now, as we plan it. Right. But I also know that if we're focusing on map being connection, or and right now it's a strong connection with Pod Kids and Grove Park, and what that looks like, I know that from our interactions with Pod Kids, um, missions have been doing lots of work with Pod Kids. Um, the men's ministry does work with Pod Kids. Women's ministry is now involved, and so in some ways we're sort of expanding that connection to Pod Kids, even yeah. if it's not an extension or you know, a longer map. 
Yeah. But there are definitely ways that I think MAP and other ministries within the church could get really involved in a long-term kind of manner with a, with yeah. another organization or area. Our our relationship with Paw Kids, um, I know I've gone out there and unloaded the food truck a couple times. Is that that and and stuff like that? But it, has that grown out of our connection with MAP uh, with them, or is? I believe MAP was the first okay, to that's serve, cool. serve them maybe four or five years ago now. Back when I was a student is when we were there for the first time. And I think our relationship with them has grown um, in number and strength ever since. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Well, so yeah, that's a cool way you yeah, see one ministry of, kind of flower out into other ministries. Yeah, a combo of missions, activities, and MAP and men's ministry getting involved too. I mean, it it is cool to see the church focus on a neighborhood like that and really try to make a difference in that neighborhood. Um, I think that's one way that missions at Northside in general has changed over the last few years, is that I think we've gotten more intentional about trying to focus on a particular kind of mission activity um, to try to make the biggest difference we can. There are so many good charities, so many good people doing good work, and so you, you can go one of two ways, you know, you can put a little bit towards everything. I'm assuming you've got finite resources. You can put a little bit towards everything or you can put a lot towards a few things. Yeah. Um, and so we're in a place now of putting, I think a lot towards a few things. And that's kind of what we're seeing grow with Grove Park and that's Paul cool. kids. That's really cool. Sarah, I feel like we could, uh, we could hire you to just come on and be full-time map coordinator. I don't know if that's a job that we have here at Northside church, but Definitely the they got the experience. Bring Jackson back. Are you gonna come back and do this again? You think? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's cool. a Nate question though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put in a good word for you. No, we forgot to tell them they were filling out their evaluations oh, yeah. on themselves. That's at right. The podcast. All right. So, uh, in a more general sense, you guys are obviously passionate about serving and and about uh, giving your time and, and things like that. Um, why, why do you personally get involved with stuff like MAP? I know it wasn't for the paycheck. So what, what is it that drew you to things like MAP? Like, what is it about your faith that, that kind of, um, uh, pushes you to do things like MAP or service in general? Well, I mean, I would say growing up, I grew up in a Baptist church, um, like right across the street from my current church now. And uh, it wasn't really a strong children's program or youth program, so we never really did stuff like that. Um, and so when I did end up moving over, and they had a lot better of a youth program, and it was like the first trip we took, I think it was to Glisten. Okay. Um, and ever since then, I just fell in love with the idea of building those relationships with people that I've never met before, or um, just the idea that I'm surrounded by people that I know have a commonality with me and that we're both um, one in Christ, even though we have never met each other, I know we can still have something to talk about. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Sir, what about you? What, what, you've been doing this for 10 years now. Like, what drives you to keep showing up? I think for me, well, originally I grew up at Northside and then my family moved away. And so we would come back in the summers um, every summer to still be to reconnect to this community here at the church and map was one of the best ways to do that and I think for me map sort of progressed um, from being about coming home to meeting other students my age and maintaining those relationships to meeting um, adult mentors people like Leanne Ayers and 
Jerry Coker, who's volunteered for years with MAP, or Bill Kirkman that you just, you see, and it brings you a lot of joy to have those connections over the years, um, to being sort of growing into my faith and awareness to reach out to the homeowner and want to be with them. Um, and when I'm invited into that space, um, and really hold that sacred. And then from a, from the sort of standpoint of the growth of my faith, it's sort of being in a place where I felt like I belonged, which began when I was, you know, 13, 14 was really important. It was a safe space going through middle school and high school. And, um, MAP was sort of the cornerstone of what made me feel like I was coming home every summer. Mm. So I kept coming back to maintain those relationships that were fulfilling and that encouraged me to explore what my faith was. Um, and then coming back as an intern really gave me the opportunity to sort of take ownership of my faith and take steps myself towards um, growing in it and exploring it rather than waiting for um, an amazing worship band or worship speaker or Nate to really sort of guide me now being able to take my own steps. Um, and last year, I don't know if you remember this, but I actually, since I missed my confirmation in seventh grade, I actually went through and did confirmation after MAP, after having that summer of prayer and reflection yeah. and growth within myself. That's cool. So. All right. That's awesome. A non-traditional confirmation Non-traditional student. confirmation student. I like it. Second career confirmation. That's what we <laughs> 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 uh, That's funny. Um... So you guys know, you, you may be aware of this, you may not be, um, but one of the things the church struggles with, and not just Northside Church, but the church in general struggles with, is keeping people your age in church. <laughs> um, people who have uh, gone on to college or who are just now out of college, that's really a hard group to get plugged in, right, to cast a net and kind of pull those people in. Do you guys have any thoughts on um, why that is, but also how can we change that? Is that that's a really big, broad question? So take a moment to think about it if you want. But I really like that question too. How do we keep you? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, why why do you think it is? Why do you think it's so hard um, to keep people of your age in church? And 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 then how can we change that? Um. I think a lot of what it is, is growing up, I've seen so many of my friends who they're kind of forced to go to church. And so they kind of just develop this resentment towards it. And so when they finally get the opportunity to just never go back, then they take it as soon as they can. And I I understand it. Um, I mean, it's more so with traditional churches, yeah. um, churches that don't offer that contemporary side of things where... It's not just stand up and sit down and read a hymn and pray. And right, right. So I think that's a big thing is just because when I'm four years old, I'm four years old and I'm sitting in this worship service that's an hour and a half long <laughs> and I'm listening to you guys sing about stuff <laughs> and talk to me for five years and I, I don't want to hear it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And so like as a child, you start to grow that contentment and then once you get to older years and it's like, oh, well... I don't enjoy it, so I'm not going to go. Yeah, because it was kind of forced on you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Sarah, what do you think? I'm trying to think. There are two things I can think of, and one I think is maybe more specific to Northside and to this area, and I just know how um, even moving to middle school to high school, um, there begins to be all that just academic and social pressure, and so suddenly church takes a backseat, back yeah. um, and 
Um, it was that way in my family, not because we didn't prioritize our faith, but just because, you know, I could only do physics tutoring on a Sunday morning. It was the only time I was free. Right. So then I, I spent a semester not being able to go to church and not being able to get involved in those Sunday schools and coming back and seeing a new teacher that you don't have a relationship with as a second semester senior in high school. It's a little, yeah. um, maybe disorient, um, disorienting is yeah, a good that's word. a good word. And then I think as a young 20 something, just coming out of college, I think, as I sort of was saying before, I feel like I just started, just started to take ownership of my faith and to explore what it meant to me. And I think sometimes in sort of an organized church, there's not always space for young 20-somethings to express their beliefs, however different they may be from a certain communities, um, in a safe space. Yeah. And so I think um, there just needs to be sort of a creation of a safe space for young 20-somethings to explore what their faith means to them in the context of church and worship and um regular prayer yeah um and finding you know great um bible study teachers and ministers who are open to having those hard conversations but being open to listening more than speaking in those conversations i think is key yeah so you're you imagine that safe space being something like a a bible study or i mean what do you what does that look like i think um I think community is so important at this age and having a group of people that you can call your people Mm -hmm. um, that are on your side and will um, love you and care for you and cheer for you. um, I think is really important, but also that sense of um, that sense of validation is also really hard to not search for. Right. Yeah. So having, um, having it be six, almost start as a community space where you can have, friends in a wider community and it can be something that grows beyond just the church but then having that space first and then from there being able to create connections with um clergy or church leaders or just volunteers who are really engaged and i think we see that with some of our site supervisors on site is they really want to get to know you as you are and where you are and they just want to walk with you in your faith or walk with you where you are in your life yeah. Um, and I think when you come from a sort of a group setting, you have that safe space to go, and now you have this safe person to talk to. And so suddenly you're like, well, I can explore what this means without yeah. without being told that there are these parameters or boundaries. Right. Um, I think it's just a, an age where there's so much change and so much um, just growth all at once that having a little bit of freedom um, and a safe space is important. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Jackson, would you agree? I, I would agree, yeah. Um, I feel like going off of what she said, I feel like a lot of the issue would be that in more traditional churches, they've kind of come up with these steadfast rules that are never changing, and it's like, mm-hmm. but where did it say that? You know, <laughs> like it's just kind of implied that you can't do these and you get shunned if you don't. Yeah. But these are things that kids are just going to do. Right, you know? right. So it's, I feel like that's a big thing, you know, um, like in the Bible, it doesn't say you can't drink. <laughs> right. Jesus drank wine, but <laughs> like you see all of these Christians who get mad at people because they're drinking and it's the devil's apple juice or whatever right. you want to call it's it. Devil's apple juice. <laughs> wow. I like that. <laughs> so you've got, you've got Welch's grape juice and then you've got the devil's apple juice. Mm-hmm. Take the right juice. Cause it was an apple in the garden. Oh, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. I just I feel like there's a lot of fear of being shamed 
um, especially in the like the culture we live in right now with all the social media. Like, I grew up with social media, um, being shamed um, for a belief that you have. I think there's a lot of fear of that not being good enough. Um, yeah. For a certain community or a certain um, church or whatever it is, even in um, I was involved in college ministries, but even there, I think there's that. Then it becomes a very big social space where you have to meet a certain, you know, background or look, right. or you know, this is what I'm going to do for fun, or I'm going to drink or not so drink. Your religious yeah. fraternity, sorority. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, oh. and it's not. Um, it's not a. For, it's not always a forgiving place, and so walking away yeah. feeling feeling shame and feeling um, not enough when there's already, I mean, you see that all the time on in schools and social media already. Yeah. don't need any more of that. Um, are you talking about like a cultural kind of a judgment or a religious sort of a judgment? Like, are you being judged by culture for having a religious conviction or are you being judged by religion for having a differing religious perspective? Both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> Both. So you're like damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I mean, I, I feel like there's so much in the Bible that's not black and white. Like, there's so so many gray areas in the Bible that we've just kind of interpreted as this is what it is. Yeah. And if you don't believe this, then you're wrong. But, I mean, there's nothing to specifically tell me that that's what it is or it's not that. Or, you know, I feel like so much of it is just really up to your interpretation and how you take it personally. So if I, if I read this verse and I took it this way and it helped me in a certain way, it helped me in a certain way. Like it didn't help other people. And so when I find this verse and I come to someone else and I'm like, this really helped me. And they're like, well, that's not at all what it means. You're wrong. And so you just feel <laughs> totally shut down. Yeah, yeah. And so then you're like, well, I guess I don't know anything. This isn't my religion then. So then you right, just move yeah. on. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I, I certainly want Northside to be a place where we have these kind of safe spaces where you can have the religious convictions, you know, that you, um, that you have and, and still feel welcomed and, and, a space I know uh, and you're, I think you're absolutely right about scripture we talk about that a lot in here that it's not black and white and, and there's, there is levels of interpretation going on there and who's to say how the Holy Spirit's going to use scripture to speak to you right and to have somebody say well that's not what it means it's not it's not incredibly helpful mm-hmm. One of the things that we have in the Methodist tradition that we talk about a lot, you guys have probably heard of it before, but the Wesleyan quadrilateral. You guys familiar with that at all? Kind of? Not really? You're about to be. You're about to be. <laughs> Wesleyan moment brought to you by the Methodist Church. No, Dr. Uh, James Johnson. Dr. James Johnson. No, so uh, one of the things that as you read John Wesley, you, you see these kind of four, he has these four different, um, four different authorities or sources that we go to in order to find out what our religious convictions are going to be. The first one is Scripture, right? The Bible is important, but the Bible doesn't stand alone. We also have things like tradition, like how we were raised in the community that we grew up in. Those things are important. How and they have teach we us, always done it? Right. How have we always done it? But those, those things also teach us how to read the Bible. So you have different traditions that read the Bible in different ways. Uh, then you have reason, just like your own ability to, to be rational and think, right? Uh, also kind of important thing to have if you're going to read it all, right? <laughs> And then the last one, which is what Wesley thought was not the most important, but the one that he really emphasized, and the one that I think you were just talking about, is experience. That personal experience that you have of your faith, you know, of your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. All four of those things, scripture, reason, tradition, experience, work together, right, to tell us, to help us, to give us 
um, some authority and interpretation and some direction to go with our faith. Uh, but some people will come and say, well, this is what the Bible says, so that's the end of the conversation. And I always want to ask them, well, how do you know that's what the Bible says? Yeah. You know? Did you read it? Did you use your mind when you were reading it? How did you get to that interpretation? Anyway, but... Yeah. And I think my biggest thing when it does come to the Bible is, like, it's been translated so many different times from Aramaic to Latin to uh-huh. German to English to every other, like, language that's possible in thousands, if not millions of different versions, CEV, yeah. NRIV, NIV. And so you may take it one way because you take it that way. But I just feel like after so many years of translations and different versions, it's like they're not the exact same words. Like I I know from English to French that there's stuff that gets lost in translation. And those are two languages that are spoken commonly today. Today, right, yeah. So from English to Aramaic, I'm sure it's even greater than that. Yeah. I was teaching a class one time on exactly that idea. And... um, walking through the different levels uh, or, or uh, not obstacles, but the different transitions that an idea goes through to get to me. So Jesus has a thought, right? Jesus wants to say, love your enemies. So he thinks it in his head, love your enemies. And then he says it in Aramaic is what he's talked in, right? Somebody heard that in Aramaic. They translated it into Greek, right? And wrote it down on a piece of paper, right? And it's in the Bible. Then an English guy came along, translated that into English, right? And then that English word has to be read by me, and then I have to think it too. So look how many different la- how many different uh, just levels that has to go through to get to me. And you know you're gonna lose some stuff in that. Mm-hmm. That's why the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to understanding what Scripture is about at all. But um, but yeah, absolutely. And French and English. I'm trying to learn French right now. By the way, do you know French? I do. Maybe you should tutor me. <laughs> I am not good at it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So <laughs> two 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 languages that are spoken fluently even now. There's there's. So many, translation. So well, many French errors. is completely backwards, so <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the problem. It is part of the problem, you're right. It's my favorite example is NATO versus OTAN. Um, <laughs> did you get where I was going with that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think, too, what this what what comes up, and this is interesting because so often he and I talk about kind of how conservatively we grew up and, and now both being part of a Methodist church and part of our place at the Methodist church is come to a spot of, I don't know if I need to go that hard on that point. Um, and there is, there is a, a lot of places where I think you can, you can get real lost in the weeds. And so much as you were talking about getting to the core of what map is so much of our conversation is about what the core of Christianity is. Like what are those indispensable things that, we we are willing to say, yeah, but you read that wrong. And then how much else out there is it like, yeah, if you go that way, I go this way, it's it's going to be okay. Um, podcast is much better when we're out here in this gray space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot more to talk about in that zone. We try to make this a, a safe space for just saying whatever you want to say, because mm-hmm. then we can go back and edit it <laughs> and make it sound like it needs to sound. Um. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we call this dialogic disciple is because I have a firm and, and solid conviction that faith is a matter of dialogue. It's a matter of having conversation with other people, being in a relationship with other people. 
uh, but also having a dialogue with God and with Jesus, and um, that that dialogue is ongoing. No, no one person can hold the truth in their head. We're not able to do that. We're not capable of that. The truth can only come out as we dialogue about it together. Because truth is a person. Remember, truth is Jesus truth Christ. Truth is a person. And I'm interested in the conversation. Like, I love hearing y'all's perspective on it. Because as I'm sitting here, I'm realizing that you are closer in age to my daughter than you are to me. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my daughter, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the 14-year-old over there. Um, and so, you know, she's coming to this place where she started in high school and is going to have to deal with, all right, I want to go hang out at the youth group, but I also have this homework that I got to get done. And I want to, you know, participate in this after school extracurricular activity. And I so, want to go on a date with Tom. How are you going to juggle all these things? Jimmy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. I can't. Well, she actually has asked to go to the gun range with me. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Oh, that's cool. So I won't have to be at home cleaning a gun. She can handle them herself <laughs> um but in any event yeah so it's really interesting to me to hear like as she's coming into that how y'all negotiated it what you wished would have happened because then i can try to be more attuned to that like at least have it on my radar let's see let me ask one other question i got one question left um and it's kind of just a general uh, question but uh nick if you have anything you should be thinking i mean you know i don't prepare for this podcast I doesn't really it's fine uh, sometimes it doesn't even show up i have to edit in his voice from former podcast <laughs> it's a really amazing computer program <laughs> um so you guys are uh obviously um uh very convicted about your faith and, and you're strong christians um and, and maturing christians i think um have you guys what what other than the bible what other books have you guys read uh, that have been really influential for you in your faith? Or have there been? Have there been other books or other sources, not necessarily just books, but other sources? Yeah, I'm interested really... in experiences, too. Yeah. yeah. This one might be a little bit controversial, but I would say The Da Vinci Code definitely influenced my okay. faith a little bit. Okay. Um, Talk about that. Well, it's just like a lot of the stuff that they talked about... Um, I don't necessarily take it as true, right. but I don't take it as not true. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that happened biblic- biblically, uh-huh. we can't really say it did or didn't happen because we weren't there. I just feel like a lot of the stuff that they talked about that um, Da Vinci spoke about yeah. really influenced that. Um, one thing that I got out of it was the fact that there, I mean, one God is how we classify our God, but who's to say that just because uh, Greek people see Zeus and Athena as these people, we just cl- classify all of those gods as one, one god. Because, hmm. I mean, all of the stories sound yeah. very similar. There's yeah. a flood story in, like, every religion. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Ooh, that is controversial, Jackson. You, you bring yeah. in the heat, man. You bring yeah. in the heat. <laughs> I will say, so, something that, that might... Um, I like I like that that book kind of... It challenged you, right? It made you think. It made you think. That's good. Yeah. Um, something I would I would add that might be helpful uh, for you or maybe not, but um, C.S. Lewis is a great uh, theologian from the 20th century. He said that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way to God, but but the Bible doesn't say that, it doesn't tell us all the ways in which Jesus is made known to the world, right? So there's, you know, there, there are different ways of understanding what that looks like, right? Um, so that, that, all right, that's cool. What about you, Sarah? It's funny you say C.S. Lewis because I was going to mention, you know, I could, I could say mere Christianity, but I'd be lying if I didn't love the Chronicles of Narnia more than I loved mere Christianity. <laughs> okay, all right. That sounds um, fair. 
I I just love those books. And beyond that, I don't know if I've read. I read I read some books that um, Jeff Rogers recommended to me as I was preparing for confirmation about the Apostles' Creed and some history, um, and that was interesting. But beyond that, I've also sort of read. I guess they're more almost like self-help books, not really self-help books, but books about um, like safe relationships that are, you know, written by Christian psychologists or whatever it is. And so for being where I am in my life, being able to um, create, um, to use those in a way that um, is respectful um, to a person's spirit and soul and that protects mine and my relationship with God has been really helpful and sort of, as I've grown up, um, yeah. so as so much as I, um, so Chronicles of Narnia, just some of these that help sort of help me create safe spaces and relationships in my own life. And I think beyond that, I have always um, looked for God in things that I love. Okay. So I love music. I know Jackson does too because he gives me great recommendations. Um, <laughs> but love in, Taylor Swift. but in in music or I was an art history minor but in sort of looking for ways that God is um, that I can see God in my own life through those things through a song that I love through lyrics that I love or through um, um, I did lots of I did a whole class on early Christian and Byzantine art um, and sort of tracing that story from something that I love and making sure that I put it in a framework that I get excited about learning about. So I get excited about learning about, you know, this Roman gesture that suddenly made its way into like Christian tradition. I think that's really cool. And so then I'll go off on, you know, like a whole Wikipedia tangent and uh-huh. suddenly I've learned a whole lot about it. Um, yeah. But that's just finding things that I love and putting it all into that, into that language has been a good way. I do the same thing with YouTube. I'll, I'll get on YouTube and be like, you know, I'm going to watch a video about, I don't know, Julius Caesar. And then I find myself... 15 videos later, deep into, like, Byzantine, fall of Constantinople, this is amazing, you know, that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I would say that learning about other religions has definitely influenced my faith a lot more, too, um, from taking world history in 10th grade to just talking with people who are Muslim or Hindu mm-hmm. or just whatever religion. I think just learning about their religions definitely influences mine a lot because, I mean, it starts to make me think about why I believe what I believe and and what it is that really attracts me to to Christ. And I think that strengthens my faith almost not to take anything away from them. But I think for my personal journey and my personal testimony, Christianity would definitely be the way they go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that's part of that dialogue, right? I mean, if we are truly people of the faith uh, and we truly believe in Jesus Christ, we should have the confidence to be able to have a dialogue and, and, and explore other religions, not because we want to, follow their faith, but because we want to have that conversation. Uh, I think that's important. A book that I read when I was you guys' age that was incredibly impactful on me was The Cost of Discipleship. So if you guys haven't read that by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, pick up a copy of it. I think I'll probably have a couple extra in here somewhere. That's the only one I would suggest to you guys. Nick, you got anything else you'd like to ask or talk See, about today? You know, I'm going to pull out the Ravi Zacharias. That was, that was good for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus Among Other Gods. Yeah. You want to talk about other religions, and he comes at it from a very, a very intellectual perspective. Um, I know. Did I feel you? like you're not the biggest fan. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I, I have no opinion. <laughs> but that was yeah. that was for me. Like I super enjoyed approaching it from that direction. 
of what does it mean? How is Christianity exclusive among world religions? Was that apologist's thesis? Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. This has been a uh, great conversation. Um, do you have any final words for the people of Northside before we close out? Nope, they have nothing for you folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Got anything left? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Northside. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Peace. <laughs>